The day has arrived. MLS Cup playoffs for the New England Revolution, Tuesday, November 30th in Foxborough. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mike Riley for 98.5 The Sports Hub and also the public address announcer at Gillette Stadium for the Revolution. Well, the stage is set for the Eastern Conference round of the semifinals in MLS Cup playoffs. The Revolution take on New York City FC Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. at Gillette Stadium. And after a 23-day layoff for the club, the Revs are ready. I'm joined by Revolution team reporter Elizabeth Pahota and Revolution staff writer and editor Jeff Lemieux right now. Yeah, it's been a really long wait. You mentioned 23 days since uh, November 7th when the Revs were last on the field. Usually you don't have to wait this long between matches. There's been a lot of hype, a lot of buildup. Uh, and I think everybody's ready to uh, to kind of burst through the roof on Tuesday night at Gillette. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you look at it, too, because at this point, if we were to advance, we know who we'd be playing and when the game is. But we still haven't even played our first playoff game yet. So there's a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement in the air, and we can't wait for uh, Tuesday to come soon. So obviously, with the game coming up Tuesday night, you guys were just fresh, hot off the press, literally, a uh, press conference with team availability. Whoever wants to take it, go ahead. Tell us who was available. And also, uh, maybe one of you guys can talk about Bruce Arena being named MLS Coach of the Year today. Yeah, I'll just give a little bit of an overview. So Bruce Arena spoke with the media today, as did Adam Buxa and team captain Carlos Heels. So obviously the big uh, kind of the big news was Adam Buxa, and I'm sure we can we can talk about that a little bit more in depth. Adam Buxa missed the final game of the regular season through injury, but he says he's ready to go for tomorrow. So we can delve into that a little bit. Uh, Carlos Heel spoke as well, talked about uh, the playoff experience last year that the Reds had and how that's going to be important for this group as they go through this playoff experience this year. This is a group that knows exactly what to expect in the playoffs. They know what it takes to win in the playoffs. It's largely the same group that went to the Eastern Conference Final last year. So that's going to be really important. Uh, and then Bruce Arena spoke as well about being coach of the year. Obviously, he's not huge into talking about himself. He wanted to keep the focus on the game as much as he could. But I'll let Elizabeth delve a little bit deeper into into that honor for Bruce winning coach of the year for, for the fourth time tying the MLS record. Yeah, so uh, Bruce Arena just talked about how you know it's, it's a team effort. Yes, he was the one who won MLS Coach of the Year award, but he paid a big tribute to the players, the coaches, and all of the staff who helped him earn it because it's not the coach necessarily that gets that. It's, it's a good team that helps earn that award. So he's saying everybody's praises in along with that award. And I think through all three of those people who were in the press conference, they also were all so excited to play at Gillette Stadium tomorrow because what all three of them have in common is that they haven't had a home playoff game with fans. We had one playoff game last year at Gillette Stadium, but due to the pandemic, there were no fans in the stands watching. So it's been a long ride to get to this point. And Coach Arena even said he, he hopes that the fans can be a deciding factor for the game if there's any tough moments in that match. So we're excited to have everybody in the building expecting a really good crowd. It's going to be Bitter cold from what we hear, but hey, hopefully that's an advantage for us and we can take uh, a good look at it tomorrow. Yeah, it's not October or September. In fact, the last time New York City FC was here was September 11th, 2021, and that was a still technically summer. Uh, and that's nearly three months ago now at this point, but they have earned the right to be here in Foxborough once again for the Eastern Conference semifinal. And how about a little scouting report? What do we know about them? What do we have to keep an eye on? Any sort of uh, big-time players to watch? And especially, they've had a little more uh, time on the pitch than the Revs over the last three weeks here. We know the Revs had the uh, the scrimmages, but a little more loose, too. 
Well, certainly a couple of big names to watch in the attacking third of the field for this New York City FC team. They do have this year's MLS Golden Boot winner in Valentin Castanos, who finished the season with 19 goals. Uh, and he's a player who scored a couple of goals against the Reds earlier this season. And the guy who's going to be feeding him, Maxi Morales, he's kind of their quote-unquote Carlos Hill. He's one of those attacking midfielders who kind of has the freedom to roam around the attacking third of the field. He likes to find the ball in those little pockets, find a little half yards of space, and then search for Tati Castellanos. And when you look back at the only meeting the Reds lost to New York City FC this year, which is a 2-0 game at Yankee Stadium back in August, it was Maxi Morales providing the assist on both goals to Tati Castellanos to score both goals. So clearly those are two guys the Reds are going to be honed in on pretty uh, pretty tightly. Um, but it's weird. The, the Reds in New York City FC played three times this year. The Reds won two meetings. New York City FC won that one meeting at Yankee Stadium. But I'm not sure we've actually seen both of these teams at full strength against each other yet. We're almost going to see a kind of a whole new a whole new thing on, on Tuesday night because uh, both games that the Reds played later in the season, uh, I don't think Carlos Heels started either of those games. Gustavo Bo didn't start either game. I think Tejon Buchanan started either game. Adam Buxa didn't start one of those games. Right. So even in one of the games the Reds beat New York City, New York City didn't see the Reds' full-strength lineup. You have to go back to June when they played at Red Bull Arena. That was really the only game when the Reds and New York City FC were anything close to resembling a full uh, first-strength uh, lineup. And that was a 3-2 Reds win, pretty open game, kind of a wild game, a lot of chances at both ends of the field. That's not typically what you see in the playoffs. Playoff games are typically a lot tighter than that. But these are two teams that do like to open things up a little bit and get after each other. So uh, that, that's what I'm really interested to see on Tuesday night. Bruce Arena was asked about that in today's press conference. He said, what kind of game are you expecting? And he said, I don't know. You know, These are two types of teams that like to, like to open things up and play kind of uh, a wide open style. But that's not usually what you see in the postseason. So how are both teams going to approach it? I guess we're going to have to wait and see on Tuesday night. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really exciting to see what happens. New York City FC, too, they've been really strong at Yankee Stadium, which is where their last playoff game was against Atlanta United. But they have struggled a little bit on the road this year. They're 4, 8, and 5 away from home. And one of those losses does come to the Revs at Gillette Stadium. So um, I'm hoping that's an advantage for the Revs as they're visiting Foxborough uh, on Tuesday. I keep wanting to say this weekend, but it's on Tuesday because it's a midweek playoff game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And they also talked about in the press conference today how New York City FC, they're really good with their movement. They're also historically strong on set pieces and good inside the box with a lot of their attacking weapons that Jeff mentioned, like Valentin Castellanos, Maxi Morales, Alexander Collins, who um, Alexander Collins and Valentin Castellanos, they both scored in that game against Atlanta. New York City FC is really good at coming into a second half and making an impact quickly. So I think that's one area for the refs specifically that they're going to need to stay locked in. And getting the first goal for the refs would be huge in this game. I think it would give them a really big leg up because the refs are unbeaten when they've scored the first goal. I believe you mentioned 17-0-3, right, Jeff? I think it's something like 17-0-3 when scoring the first goal this year. Uh, I'm wow. sure there are some people who will cringe hearing that statistic because there are a lot of people out there who are supersti- superstitious. Uh, I'm not one of those people, but the Reds have absolutely thrived on getting out in front of teams this year. Teams have then had to open things up a little bit once the Reds have gotten in front, and they've managed to take advantage of that pretty much all season. How about uh, some individual awards here, too? Matt Turner, named Goalkeeper of the Year, MLS. I don't think this is really a surprise to anybody. Uh, but the fact that he did get it, though, what a story for him. And now he has the chance to earn the right and show everyone throughout MLS, maybe in the next, hopefully, three games here, why he's earned that title. 
Yeah, I think Matt Turner has earned that accolade not only through his play with the Revs, even though it is an MLS award, but also his stellar performance with the U.S. men's national team this year, winning that Gold Cup uh, for the U.S., He's been outstanding all year, and I think it goes back beyond that. I think it also goes back to last season. He also was extremely strong. And what Turner talked about consistently when we were asking him about this award is, you know, he, he obviously is proud of it, but, you know, his biggest focus is on the team. He, as long as the team is doing well, it means he's doing well. And, you know, while it's amazing for him to earn that honor, he's not focused on that. He's focused on the next one. He's focused on MLS Cup and how can he help this team get there. So I think this is going to be a really big spot for him. I think he's going to have to be locked in in order for the refs to really stay in this game. But given uh, his success this year, last year, and how he's grown so much since he stepped into that number one role as a starting goalkeeper in 2018, I think everybody feels very, very confident in him. And Bruce Arena did say today that you know, he's been a player that has grown tremendously to help this team. He mentioned him, Tejon Buchanan, some of the players that, you know, have come up the ranks and really worked their way into the starting lineups and become staples. So um, I think he's going to play a big role, and it's, it's been exciting to see his success. And when it comes to these year-end awards, everybody loves to hone in on statistics, obviously. That's how a lot of people end up voting. And with goalkeepers in years past, you've always looked at things like saves, shutouts, save percentage, all of that kind of stuff. But in recent years, it's gotten a lot deeper into advanced analytics and Sarge I don't know how you feel about advanced analytics a lot of people using uh, advanced analytics in soccer and there's a great yep. uh, a great organization American soccer analysis that basically the big statistic that they look at with goalkeepers is essentially your expected goals against minus your actual goals against so essentially looking at the chances created the quality of the shots taken on a goalkeeper and then analyzing how many goals would they have been expected to concede under those circumstances and how many goals did they actually concede and over the course of the past four seasons Matt Turner has put together something like three of the best five statistical seasons in MLS history since they started looking at these advanced analytics Uh, basically Matt Turner is making more big-time saves in big-time moments, saving shots you wouldn't expect him to make than any other goalkeeper in MLS. Uh, And if you really want to kind of boil it down to what makes a great goalkeeper, that's what it is. Uh, And Matt Turner has done that consistently for years now. I will say, too, that, you know, if you've been watching the MLS playoffs, there's been several games that have gone to penalties. And someone who is really great to have a net for penalties, especially in playoff situations, which we saw last year when the Rose played um, at Orlando City SC against Nani, is Matt Turner. So you feel really confident when you have Turner in net, and I know everybody feels that way heading into Tuesday. And Turner had a little experience over the last couple of weeks, too, playing for the U.S. men's national team. Did he get the start in net for any of those games, the qualification round? Not in the most recent round of qualifiers. So he was starting okay. back in September, I believe was the last time he was Starting with the U.S. national team, this most recent window was only a two-game window. Zach Steffen was given both of the starts in those games. So Turner was off with the national team, was training on a daily basis with the national team and getting that work in and keeping that sharpness. But he didn't actually play either of the two matches in the most recent window. Okay, so that's where I want to tie in here now with the scrimmages that the Revolution held over the last couple of weeks. He obviously saw some time in that. Did you guys attend those scrimmages too? Did you take part in it or see it firsthand? We were not at the scrimmages. It was it was kind of you know, advertised as closed doors. So we weren't yep. really sure exactly whether we were supposed to be there or not. Of course, we yep. could have gone if we'd wanted to, but uh, it felt like they wanted to keep things as closed doors as possible, so we figured it was best to, to stay away and let them do their work. Uh, yep. They did try to replicate game situations as much as they possibly could in those games, 
Both of the games were played at 7.30 at night, which is the kickoff of Tuesday night's game. They were both played in the stadium, at Gillette Stadium, so they wanted to play on that surface, in that building, at the time that they were going to be kicking off, with the weather as similar as possible. They tried to replicate as best as they could the scenarios that they're going to see on Tuesday night in a playoff game by kicking off at the same time, by playing in the same weather, all that type of stuff. Now, initially, they had hoped to be able to bring in some outside competition for those games. That didn't end up working out. So both of those games were intra-squad games where they ended up using uh, you know, the depth on their roster. They ended up using some Revolution 2 players, Academy players, to kind of fill in those squads. Uh, but basically, everybody was able to get in two 90-minute performances on the Gillette Stadium field as game, you know, as, as close to game circumstances as you can possibly replicate in those situations. Um, so that's been kind of that that the big storyline that we've dealt with over the last three weeks is this 23-day break between decision day and this first playoff game and the challenges that that presents. And the Reds feel like they have done the work to get themselves ready for Tuesday night. But I asked Bruce Arena about that today, and he said, look, we, we think we've done everything we can, but we're not going to know until we get on the field on Tuesday night and see exactly how things unfold. So they're confident in the work they've done, but we'll, we'll all find out exactly how uh, valuable that work has been on Tuesday. Talking to Taylor Twelman here a couple of weeks ago on this very show, he we talked about the supporter shield, how important that was, and you know it's so underplayed, I guess you could say, with American culture because we look at we we face everything at the height of championships, and it's amazing what the Revolution did for the supporter shield this year to win that, and now it's just like an NFL playoff situation, one and done. That's it. So they kind of, they, they've got the pressure on their back, I guess you could say, being at home, number one seed, playoffs throughout. But the here's a good thing, though. You talk about that 23-day layoff, probably the best advantage individual right there, that has to uh, do work wonders for Adam Buxa. And you talked about him at the beginning of this particular show, but that's great news that he'll be back for the 23 days off after having the foot injury. Yeah, I think that was the silver lining in this situation is you have one of your star players that is a huge contributor. Uh, he was the Golden Boot winner for the Revolution this year. So to be able to have enough time to get him healthy and match fit, I think is key for this group because I really think he's going to play an integral integral role against New York City FC. Because as Jeff mentioned earlier, he's just a player that they haven't seen really full strength um, along with the full strength Revolution starting 11. So to have time for him to be fully healthy, I think it will be a really good piece for this group. And on top of that, I think the 23-day break has just made this group even hungrier. Um, you can definitely tell when you're speaking with the players and even on out on the training pitch. They're all itching to get out there. They're all itching for this game. They all want to get out there and show what they've got. So I think everybody's really hungry. Um, and also coming off of the supporter shield, too, they, they know that the pressure's there. They've seen what's happened to teams that have been higher seeds, and I think that's a reminder that anything can change in a playoff situation because they are those do-or-die games that you mentioned. So they, they have that reminder. They know what they have to do, and now it's just about getting it done. Yeah, Adam Books has said that he was 100% about five or six times in today's yeah. press wow. conference uh, when he was just asked how he was feeling. He wanted to make it very clear that, yes, he was dealing with an injury, but he has worked his way back to full strength, that he is 100% ready to go for Tuesday night. And I think that is an absolutely massive addition for this Revolution team. I think we saw a little glimpse in that decision day loss to Inter-Miami, exactly how important Adam Buxa is to this team. And it's not just his finishing. Obviously, that's a huge part of it. As Elizabeth mentioned, he led the team with 16 goals this year. Uh, But the Revs play through Adam Buxa a ton. 
You know, it's, it's his hold-up work with the ball on the ground. It's his aerial ability. It's how all of his teammates kind of play off of him in the attacking third of the field. So uh, Adam Buxa is a tremendous addition for the Revs to get him back and get him healthy for this game on Tuesday night. And he's just so dangerous in the second half, too. I love that. Just coming out, and I'd be any team going up against him, I'd run for the hills if you see Adam Buxa coming in that second half. Just be very – oh, yeah, be on your toes, kids, right? Um, you talked about Carlos Hill, and he mentioned at the media availability this group knows what to expect. And obviously, I know, Elizabeth, you touched on that too uh, last year with the Revolution having the one playoff game at home again without a crowd. And this is just so important. Here's a guy like Carlos Hill who's been here the last couple of years, different coaching regime, and knowing what to expect as he talked about that. But here we are, first time since 2014, you'll have a live crowd for a playoff game right here, led by the captain, who, by the way, was named MLS Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, Carlos earned that award. He was out for the majority of last year, really only making appearances in the postseason. Um, so to be able to come back from an injury that he was dealing with that lasted the majority of the condensed 2020 season and then be in the conversation as a, a main candidate for the league MVP award. And on top of that, missing a month of the regular season in 2021. I, I mean, Carlos truly earned that award, and I, and I hope that things work out for him to earn the uh, team, sorry, the league MVP as well. He had 18 assists this year, was a key playmaker for the refs, four goals. Um, And I think one of the things about Carlos Hill as well is that he elevates everybody around him when he's on the field. It's not just him out there who's trying to, you know, show his abilities. He really makes everybody play a little bit stronger, a little bit better. And, you know, if you're watching the games, you just see things from him that you don't see from other players. He's so talented, naturally gifted, and even when he has injuries, he comes back stronger, and we've seen that consistently. So uh, congrats to him on getting the Comeback Player of the Year award. I hope that it works out for him for the uh, league MVP. Time will tell. And to have him as the captain leading this group in the playoffs is going to be going to be very exciting. Yeah, he really is the catalyst of the team, Jeff, isn't he? I would say that there are some fantastic MLS MVP candidates this year. And I understand Hani Mukhtar with Nashville SC had an unbelievable season. Tati Castellanos with NYCFC yes. winning the league Golden Boot. Like, there are some very – deserving candidates out there for the league MVP award. But having watched Carlos Heel play day in, day out throughout this 2021 season, I'm just not sure how it can be anyone else. I have never spent a full season watching someone who had my jaw hit the floor as many times as I did this year with Carlos Heel on the field. And uh, just moment after moment where he's pulling off these moves and making these passes that you don't even understand how he can see. And, Uh, The statistics are there for him. The statistical argument is there for him to win MVP. But I think the eye test was really what uh, what should win him league MVP this year. He was the best player on the field. And anyone I think who watched the games consistently and saw Mm -hmm. Carlos Hill play this year would have to agree. One more note, too, and this uh, is good news for the future of the revolution. This past we kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Uh, under the radar because, you know, the team's been off for a couple of weeks. But this is a big signing, the returning of Brandon By, re-signed with the club, a two-year deal, and he'll be here through 2024. Talk about the importance. Is it 2024? You guys know the details on that. So so three-year extension for Brandon. Three-year. I believe his contract was uh, was done. His initial contract was done at the end of this season. Signed a three-year deal mm-hmm. with an additional club option. So wow. it'll be a four-year deal. Three years, I believe, guaranteed an additional club option. Uh, and yeah, and Bruce Arena has been fantastic about 
about not only building this squad, but keeping the key pieces around. And Brandon By is one of those guys who's a key piece of this squad right now. He's a guy who came through the MLS Superdraft as an attacking player. Uh, they've developed him into one of the better outside backs in Major League Soccer. He's a young American player who's only going to get better and better the more and more he plays at that position. Uh, so to be able to lock up a guy like that for the future and for years to come, uh, that's tremendous for the Revs, and it's tremendous for the continued development of this roster because I think those messages continue to get sent to guys over and over again from guys within the club and outside the club that if you come in and you perform, this club is going gonna, is gonna to do right by you. Yeah, Brandon has been actually a staple in the starting lineup for a, a long time at this point after he signed following the Super Draft in 2018. And it's it's kind of funny. I look back at that time, and personally for me, that was like one of the first – events that I covered for the Rose because I had, I just started in December 2017. So watching Brandon Vi's growth um, has been incredible throughout the past four years. He's really just come into his own. He plays a lot more confidently. And what I've liked about him, in addition to uh, adapting to a new role that Jeff was saying from more of an attacking player to more of a def- defensive role, is that he kind of just takes everything that he does and runs with it in the sense of he's able to adapt on the fly. And he's done that from day one, I believe. he Was he starting the first game that he did in 2018? I believe that he was. I honestly don't remember if he started day one in 2018. I would have to go back and look that up to be honest. He was, but early on in the Friedel area, he was starting. And to see his development with Arena and just how quickly he's grown has been tremendous. And not only him, but you see a lot of the players that came through the Super Draft, which I think is pretty rare at MLS these days. You look at, you know, Brandon By, Dewan Jones, Tejon Buchanan. These are all players that, you know, were in college just a few short years ago, and they've become staples in the starting lineup. They're in conversations for some of the strongest players at those positions, um, respectively, for where they play. So I think a lot of talent has come through the Super Draft. Brandon Bai is going to be great for the future of this club. And when we spoke with him on Friday when he got re-signed, he did say that the conversations were very short when he decided he wanted to stay in New England. He's loved his time here. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a lengthy conversation with Coach Arena because it, it was something mutually that both parties wanted. So I think when somewhere is a great fit and those conversations go like that, it means that they genuinely want to be here. So to have players that are really bought in, not only for this year, for the possibility of having a playoff run going to MLS Cup and winning that first ever cup for the club, but to want to keep doing that for the next three years, it speaks volume to his commitment to New England. Yeah, build that core, and uh, it's a good step in the right direction for sure. MLS Cup playoffs, as we know, the winner of this match, Revolution and NYCFC, will play Philadelphia. And, of course, we know the situation. Philly could be coming here. I don't know the deal with NYCFC when they Philly go Philly would host New York City FC Philly. in Edward Advance. Okay, so Which that's... Which won't the- happen, but that <laughs> would, would happen if... Should if it happen. Happened. Yeah, okay, all right. But Philadelphia, of course, Revolution got the upper hand on them last year in the playoff. I don't want to over, I don't want to look into it too much right now, but uh, we're looking at a possibility of Saturday or Sunday for that Eastern Conference semifinal. We know now that that would be Sunday. Sorry, Eastern Conference final. That'll be Sunday. Yes. Okay. Conference final will be on Saturday. Portland and Real Salt Lake Western Conference final will be on Saturday. And then the Eastern Conference Final, we do know now, will be on Sunday, uh, regardless of who is in it. I believe that's a 3 o'clock kickoff on Sunday on ABC. Wow. Okay. That is developing news right here. Broken by Jeff and Jeff Lemieux and Elizabeth Pahoda right here on the Sports <laughs> Hub, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. But let's win Tuesday night first. That's the deal with that. Anything else that I missed here? I think we got a lot of news and notes covered, especially from the press conference. Anything else you guys want to say? No, I mean, I, I just think everybody is – 
raring and ready to go for tomorrow night. It, when, when you think about a 23-day break, a 23-day break in the middle of the regular season feels like a long time. But when it's a 23-day buildup to your first playoff game, and there's been so much hype around it, uh, and everybody's just been building towards this game so long, and you've had to sit on your couch and watch nine other playoff games while waiting for your first playoff game, uh, everybody is just so eager and so anxious for Tuesday night. But at the same time, Bruce Arena has, has been really cognizant of making sure that guys aren't getting too anxious for it too soon. He wanted it to be kind of a slow burn and a slow buildup so the guys weren't, you know, running through walls two weeks ago getting ready for this game. Um, but I was, I was here in 2014 when the Reds last had that home playoff game with fans in the stands for the Eastern Conference Championship. Uh, it's a game and an evening that I think about all of the time because of how special it was. So to think that finally seven years later, tomorrow night, we're going to get fans back in the building for a playoff game. Uh, I absolutely cannot wait. I don't know what I'm going to feel like tomorrow night as we're getting closer and closer to kickoff. I think my uh, skin's going to be crawling, getting ready for that game. Um, and for Elizabeth, I know for you, it'll be the first home playoff game you've ever had here with fans in the stands. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat as uh, Bruce Arena, Carlos Hill, and Adam Buxa. I haven't quite had that experience because I wasn't here in 2014, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I will say that you know, if fans are looking to jump on the bandwagon that might not know the refs quite as well, this is the time. Jump on now. They are hot. They are the best team ever in MLS in the regular season. And this could be the year that they finally bring home an MLS Cup. So there's plenty of resources on revolutionsoccer.net, um, our YouTube, Facebook channels. We have a show that talks about it's kind of the growth of the team can get you caught up pretty quickly if you want to come out to a game. And on that note, if you're around Tuesday and potentially if you're around next Sunday, make sure you get your tickets because it's going to be something special. And we, we hope you can come or we can see you out there. We'll also have a pregame show at 6 o'clock on uh, all the Revolution social channels, the YouTube page, the Facebook. So you can catch more of me and Jeff if you didn't get enough of us here with Sarge <laughs> at 6 o'clock. And, and we'll be joined by Taylor Twelman as well yes. on our pregame show. So if Elizabeth wow. and I aren't enough of a draw, which obviously we are, <laughs> the Revolution's all-time leading goal scorer and ESPN slash ABC broadcaster Taylor Twelman will be joining us as well, yes. just as a little added extra incentive. And by the way, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but I'm hearing that there may be a very nice special pregame on Tuesday night, 7.20. They're asking fans to be in their seats by 7.20 Tuesday night. Just saying. I don't. I can't say much more than that, okay? That's all I can say right now at this point. All right, well, I'll, I'll break the secret because I think it's been uh, uh, leaking a couple places, but there's going to be a really cool light show um, happening around 7.20. Uh, make sure you're in your seats by then. It will be right before kickoff. Uh, you have to download the human video board app from uh, – Gillette Stadium, they're asking you to do it. And then everybody's going to have their flashlights out. So it's going to be a really cool moment uh, to wish the players good luck, something that we really haven't seen at a Revolution game before. So I can't wait for uh, the stadium to be lit up in all different directions. You might even see a familiar face on um, the video board. And uh, I might be pointing at myself for this one. <laughs> I will be uh, emceeing a few things up to that point. But we're, we're excited. It's something special. And uh, here, you, you heard the news uh, broke here on your podcast, Sarge. Yeah. Hey, well, uh, there you go. Good job, Elizabeth. Looking forward to it. We're going to rock and roll. And uh, I always get amped up on game day, too. And uh, I need I think I'm going to need like an extra large iced coffee with maybe a shot of espresso to keep that energy going tomorrow. night. I'm pumped. I can't wait, guys. So get your glove because it's going to be pretty cold. Yeah, we have our window open right there in front of the microphone, and we have to, you know, hear the sound, obviously. So, uh, yeah, glove, um, you know, uh, triple layers, I'd say, turtleneck and Definitely capped off with my Revolution hoodie, kids. That's how we do it. So, 
Well, that's yeah. always that's always the uh, the conundrum for us in the press box is we can open up the windows and during the summer, obviously we've got the windows oh, open. Yeah. You want it, you want to feel the atmosphere, you want to hear the chants, you want to hear the noise. We get into November, December, it gets a little bit chillier. Maybe you think about closing the windows, but I don't know for a, the first home playoff game in seven years with the crowd we're going to have on Tuesday night and the energy that's going to be in that building. I think, Elizabeth, you might want to be planned to bundle up because I think we might have to have a couple of windows open in the press box on Tuesday night. Well, yeah, this is the latest that a soccer match has been played at Gillette Stadium, too. And I think MLS in general, right? I mean, the, the schedule is sort of getting leaked out for next season. And we do know that the MLS Cup playoffs are going to end in November. But obviously COVID and the international breaks this year back things up. But this is a late one going into December now. It's, yeah, it's the latest home game we've ever played. It, that 2014 Eastern Conference Championship was November 29th. So wow. this game will be on November 30th, so it'll be the latest by one day. And then if the Reds are able to advance to the Eastern Conference Championship, the Eastern Conference Final, uh, that would be the first home game that they'd ever played in December. Uh, the Reds have played games in December before. Uh, last year, the Eastern Conference Final in Columbus was on December 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, MLS Cup in 2014 was on December 11th. So the Reds have played a few games in December. They've yeah. just always been on the road. Uh, but hopefully we're we're back uh, in a couple of days talking about playing the first home game uh, at Gillette Stadium in December. That's right. One at a time. Let's beat NYCFC. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow night. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Thanks for having us, Sarge. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Once again, my thanks to Elizabeth Pahoda and Jeff Lemieux. Give them a follow on Twitter at Pahoda and at Jeff Lemieux. Don't forget tickets to the November 30th playoff game. Eastern Conference semifinals against New York City FC are still available by visiting revolutionsoccer.net or by calling 877-GET-REVS. My name is Mike Riley. Follow me on Twitter at Sarge985. The Sports Hub account is at 985thesportshub. We'll see you Tuesday night at Gillette Stadium for MLS Cup playoffs. Thanks again for listening, and go Revs!